this was not the series we wanted, nor was it what we deserved. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Ten Cent Takes, the podcast where we carelessly release demon statues which may or may not destroy the world. Oops. One issue at a time. My name is Jessica Fraser, and I'm joined by my co-host, the studious statue, Mike Thompson. I mean, I am wearing my glasses tonight, so <laughs> it kind of fits. It really does. Well, the purpose of this podcast is to study comic books in ways that are both fun and informative. We want to look at their coolest, weirdest, and silliest moments, as well as examine how they're woven into the larger fabric of pop culture and history. If you're enjoying the show so far and want to help us grow, it'd be a huge help if you'd rate and or review us on Apple Podcasts, because that really helps with discoverability. This week, we're going to be discussing a character who is a about as interesting as he is soft, Marvel's Gargoyle. We're going to be looking at the history of the character, where he appeared in comics and other media outlets, and we may even dredge up other obscure figures from Marvel's past. But before we fly into that topic, Mike, what is one cool thing that you've read or watched lately? Oh, man. Okay. I have been consuming all sorts of media across various platforms. Just today, I watched Morbius on Netflix. Um, It was not good. In fact, it was easily the worst superhero movie that I've watched in the last decade. (laughs) I'm saying that as someone who went and saw Fan 4 Stick in the theaters. I have also been playing a lot of Marvel Snap, which is the new mobile card game that just came out and it's from the director of hearthstone i guess which is the digital card game that blizzard put out a while ago this is great it's really fast and it's really chaotic and it's a card game that basically has marvel characters as the cards and matches are like maybe five minutes it's a lot of fun oh that's fun there's no social mechanics yet but but once there are i'm gonna like encourage everybody to download it and be my friend But the one cool thing I want to talk about, though, is this new comic that just came out from Boom. And so it's a new series that just dropped, and it's called Damn Them All. And it's written by Simon Spurrier. It's illustrated by Charlie Adlard. It's colored by Sophie Dodgson and Shane Hanakui. And it's lettered by Jim Campbell. And the first issue just came out like this week as we're recording, so it'll be one week delayed when this episode drops. It introduces this woman named Ellie Hawthorne, who's described as an occultist for hire. And so we're introduced to her, and she's trained in magic by her uncle. And then basically the story starts when her uncle dies. And then she learns that a bunch of demons have been set free from the infernal realms when one crashes his wake. (laughs) And so she sets out on a mission to, to damn them right back down below. And So as a result, you've got this story that's a bunch of different parts. There's the mystery of who set the demons free. There's the action of this occultist who's got connections to the British criminal underworld. Like we even get to see her use a claw hammer in combat in the first issue. 
And there's this really neat twist at the end of the first issue that I'm not going to spoil, but it was something that really made me sit down and go, oh, that's that's really cool. And Spurrier is a really good writer. I've read a bunch of his stuff over the years. He's done a bunch of Judge Dredd stuff. He wrote the recent Hellblazer series that came out under DC's Black Label imprint. And then there's this really good, like, kind of dark fantasy mystery that he wrote a while ago for Boom called The Spire. And this feels very much like one of his stories. It's basically a gender-swapped Hellblazer, and then it's got some, like, Guy Ritchie movie vibes, like, adding some spice. It's got that kind of, like, gritty, mobbed-up style, you know, vibe. Totally. So, yeah, it's it's cool. Check it out. Yeah, no, I definitely will have to. That sounds, like, interesting. That's wild. I just started reading The Life and Times of Martha Washington in the 21st Century, and that's by Frank Miller and Dave Gibbons. Have you heard of this? I think so. This was like a 90s series from like Dark Horse, right? So I don't know if it's from the 90s. It goes into the the 2000s, so it may even be later than that. But it's really good. Like, I, I feel like I have seen ads for this, like in comics over the years. And I've never read it, but it's this woman with like a buzz haircut, I think, right? Yeah. So, so it's this, this thing's a beefy motherfucker. It's like 560 pages long, like the comic itself. And then it has like a little bit of bonus stuff at the end. I'm only 20 pages in. I'm just going to preface it with I'm 20 pages in, but I'm borrowing it from my really good friend, Matt. And so I was like, I got to start reading this so I can give this back to him at some point in my life. (laughs) But it's really good so far. It's set in this very dystopian, like extreme Reagan kind of. I mean, the president even looks a little bit like Reagan, but like Mm -hmm. with just completely white hair. And his yeah. name is like Rexall. And it's, yeah, so it's just. <laughs> it's, that's, that's very Frank Miller, like of the era, because yeah. Frank Miller around the same time was skewering Reagan in The Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, I'm, I am almost positive that this is the same thing. Is, is she like, is Martha Washington black? Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah, okay, so this is the same thing. I remember seeing ads for this. She's like black and she's got like blonde hair. Uh, I don't know that she has blonde hair in this, but like at this point, she's still a child. Like it literally goes through her life and it says like where she was born and like or shows, not tells, but it like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. this whole you see her being born in the hospital and the mom and and it and it goes through her struggle of childhood. And there's a point where she's walking around with a doll and like it's snatched up by someone and like, the doll, like leaves the doll lying in the street. I'm like, wow, what a, what an analogy for her childhood being like, mm-hmm. you know, left behind, you know? So it's, it's that kind of stuff. Like it's really heavy because it's a really harsh world and you're seeing her like basically traumatizing her way growing through it. <laughs> What a shock that the man who gave us Sin City and The Dark Knight Returns and 300 would give us another brutal story. Oh, God. Yeah, where we torture the hell out of a black woman. Don't think that I didn't see that, that I'm not Mm. seeing that with my eyes full open. I'm like, yeah. I mean, there are things like that where I'm just like, eh. Some of that feels a little weird, a little gross. And I, you know, I just have to kind of take it as, you know, like everything else we read. You know, for the time it was written in, who it was written by, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. 
<laughs> Probably still better than that issue of Lois Lane, where she <laughs> turns herself into a black woman. <laughs> Absolutely better. We're going to have to talk about that at some point. We're going to have to do an episode on it, and I really don't want to. I I know you don't, but it it probably has to happen because... Oh, God. Our soapboxes are too at the ready to not talk about the things we know, Mike. Then that's the burden burden that we bear. (laughs) It's not a burden. I love this shit. (laughs) Let's burn it all down. What? I didn't hear anything. (laughs) <laughs> what do you say we swoop into our main topic? I mean, do we have to? <laughs> like... <laughs> All of the... Sorry, guys, it's going to be another real short episode. <laughs> on to our brain wrinkles. <laughs> I, man. All right. Yeah, I guess. Sure. Why not? So this week's main topic is a stoic and stony miser. We are going to be looking at Marvel's Gargoyle, specifically the four-issue limited series from the 80s featuring character Isaac Christians. At the top, resources, Wikipedia, marvel.fandom.com, comicvine.gamespot.com, marvel.com, marveldirectory.com, all articles about, you guessed it, the Gargoyle. Man, you described him as stoic, and I cannot think of a more appropriate term, especially these days, where stoicism is getting this rebrand. Yep, yep. (laughs) And fully take it with that rebrand. Like, especially among, like, the incel community. Like, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. He may have even made the incels. I don't know. Did he create the Oh. Oh, I have a whole section of notes on it. <laughs> oh, perfect. Oh, I was hoping. I was hoping. Yep. So before we move on to that character, we need to discuss another one because, gasp, Isaac Christians was not, in fact, Marvel's first character named the Gargoyle. In May of 1962, a character by the name of Yuri Topolov appeared in The Incredible Hulk number 1, which was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Yuri Topolov was the Hulk's first foe, and his character really has not aged well. From the Mm. entry I found on Wikipedia, he is described as a, quote, grotesque but large-headed dwarf. Which, absolutely no. Absolutely, full stop, no. No. I'm... I'm looking at the photos of him on Google right now, and they it's are a no not for me, dog. good. Yeah. It's a uh, no for me. I, I say we swipe left on all of this. It's, like, it's horrendous. It is horrendous. It's so really don't bad. worry, I'm not like, going to focus on him very long. Yeah, around the... Like, there was also a character, I think, called the Grey Gargoyle, like... A completely different character, but yeah. Yeah, there was another Gargoyle. There were other Gargoyle-esques, just know that he is none of them. We are also not talking about the Gargoyles, <laughs> the Disney animated series and related comic series. That is completely unrelated. I mean, I wish we were. Those are those are much more fun. I wish we were. Why? You know what? Let's 
let's promise our viewers a better gargoyles experience. We should do this episode, but Disney's the gargoyles. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I would love to do that at some point. That's a whole interesting <laughs> story. Way more fun. <laughs> yeah. So, back to this motherfucker, though. So, Tabalov, right? Blop. His powers are elevated intelligence, which are described as superhuman genius, mm-hmm. as well as he is well-versed in science, just generally, I guess. I don't know. And mechanical theory. <laughs> That's part of that, like, you know, the comic books, like, back in the 60s, it was like they were for little kids. And so, oh, like, yeah. I remember when, when, like, I was a kid growing up, and I'm like, oh, he's a scientist, and it's just general science. Just science. Just gonna be a scientist. <laughs> like, but, the, but here's the best part. All scientists wear lab coats and, and have beakers and, and test tubes and shit like that, and, you know, that's how it works. Exactly. But, but here's the best part, because he also has a will-sapping pellet gun. Okay. Uh. Like... <laughs> Oh. <laughs> it didn't sound great. <laughs> I love Stan Lee. I love Jack Kirby. I love the stuff that they created and what they've evolved into. They had a lot of bullshit too, man. There were a lot of characters and storylines that just do not hold up. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's true. It's almost like it was, you know, God, how long ago was that? I can't. I I'm mean, not going to do the math. That would have been. Refuse. That you know, like that would have been fifty to sixty years ago. God fucking damn it! I was going to say that, but then I was hoping my math was off. Holy shit! Nope. Yeah, long ass time ago. There was a Twitter thread today about like what's the oldest comic in your collection, and I have two from 1965. Yeah, it was one of those things of oh, okay, so those are those are almost sixty years old. Okay. Yeah, I've got a few older ones that I kind of stumbled across in uh, estate sales and things. So, yeah, it's um, yeah. it's weird to think about. Yeah. So, Topolov is also affiliated with the KGB and appeared in Rampaging Hulk number one, where he really only showed up in one of Barit's techno art films, and it feels very much just like a callback. These two appearances somehow landed him enough infamy to game Topolov an entry into Marvel Universe's Deluxe Edition number 17. I don't know how. <laughs> are those the are you talking about like the the character guides that they were putting out? Yeah, it just said Deluxe Edition number 17 and it said an entry for. So I'm guessing it was their character, their character guides. Yeah, art from Alphabet Flight I think has been going through those as as time goes on where he reads through entries and it's just they're just jammed with like every character they have and so right. sometimes it's it's a real short entry but yeah if you're curious about that go check out alphabet flight mm-hmm. sorry i keep on diverting things that's, or derailing no, that's things. totally fine it's like i said this really once we get through this we're just gonna yell for a while and that's it'll be fine yeah but But enough about that fucker. That's not the gargoyle we came here to hear about. Isaac Christians, who, like many Marvel characters, had his introduction in another series, The Defenders, Volume 1, Issue Number 94, titled Beware, 
the Six-Fingered Hand, which was released by Marvel in April 1981. He was created by J.M. DeMatteis and Don Perlin, and Perlin's character design was actually inspired by a sequence in a Prince Valiant comic where the prince disguises himself as a gargoyle. Huh. Christian's backstory was interwoven with that of the plotline of that issue, revealing the connection with the hand in relation to his stony exterior. But hold tight on that, we'll square up on Christian's backstory as it is further explained in the focal comic series of this episode. Gargoyle went on to appear throughout and to the end of the Defender series, and also appeared as the co-star of Marvel Team-Up number 119, written by DeMatteis, and he later described that particular issue as one of his favorite, favorite stories. I had no idea that The Defenders was as long-lasting as it was, because that's not a comic that most people remember these days, but it has over 150 issues. I had heard of it, but like only through studying stuff, not just out in the wild. Yeah, I mean, there's like currently there's the MCU connection, but it's like a totally different group of heroes. Yeah. The Defender series in the 80s was pretty wild. Like it was just kind of a bunch of like very, I don't know, like not exactly D-list superheroes, but like just kind of a bunch of heroes that, you know, most people haven't heard of today. (laughs) But feels like... (laughs) It feels like. Yeah. It's okay. We can get our superheroes off wish.com every once in a while. That's fine, right? Is that sustainable? <laughs> oh, man. Oh. The four issue limited series was created by Don Perlin and J.M. DeMatteis, who had this to say about the reason behind the creation of the Gargoyle Limited series. I'd always wanted to do that character the right way. We'd had him in Defenders for years, and Don Perlin and I, we came to like him so much as a person. This was a classic case of the character coming alive for us. We came to like Isaac Christians, this little old man inside the gargoyle's body, so much that it began to mellow out the way we portrayed the outer shell, the gargoyle aspect. And, before you know it, he's this cute little funny animal, which he was never intended to be. Yeah, he was hilarious. What? I, I was okay. going to say, like, I didn't... We'll get there into was, it, I guess. Mm. Oh. <laughs> mm, I, we got some feelings on that one. Good we, lord. We certainly do. So I think there may be a little bit of a lost in translation skewed perspective here. <laughs> From artists to, like, person viewing. <laughs> so in a 2013 interview, DiMatteo said that Gargoyle is a character I still have tremendous fondness for, which is sweet but fascinating. I, I mean, that I had some notes about this, and we'll talk about it later on. I <laughs> it kind of validates some thoughts I had. Oh, the fa- oh, also fascinating. Love this. So the series was written by J.M. DeMatteis. Can you tell this was his baby? Oh yeah. <laughs> Art by Mark Badger, lettered by Ken Brozenak, color by Bob Sharetti, with Carl Potts as editor and Jim Shooter as editor-in-chief. So, the first issue, subtitled Love and Death, was released in April of 1985 and begins with our introduction to our main character, an actual gargoyle that one might see adorning a building's facade. And he's in a funeral home, standing over the body of an old woman in a casket, 
mourning and monologuing loudly enough to have caught the attention of the worker, and for some reason, in this instance, the police show up like instantly? Teleportation devices? Unknown. So, he flies out of there after scaring the crap out of two police officers and flies off to mope solo and heads to the church in the town he had abandoned. It was like a town that like his father had helped found or something like that, or his his family had helped found. I can't remember, but there is a connection and like they had family money tied up in it and whatever. Well, and and we'll get into it, but for some reason they make it seem like one person is responsible for the livelihood of this town and because he keeps dipping out, the town's doing awful. And I'm like, that's not how towns work. <laughs> no, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> He's like, I've been gone so long. The town is in shambles. This is my fault. I'm like, no, it's not. It's the city council's fault. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do we have elected officials? <laughs> What's really weird about that town is also it's it's drawn in an almost European way. Like the church is like a tiny cathedral. Like I'm pretty sure I remember buttressing in the architecture. Yep, I think sure was. <laughs> Stained glass, and, the nine yards. Yeah. Yeah. So we find out that this dead woman, Elaine, was an unrequited love. This dude basically never made a move and then was upset when his friend went after her instead. Yeah. He also like confessed his love to her like right before right before his friend was like shipping out to World War One. Isn't that right? But you don't get to do that because he and the because she and the friend were already a thing. Yeah, and that, and you know, it's like he was like, I was shooting my shot. I'm like, that's, oh, okay. That's not how that works. Mm. Mm. So then he's just mopey about it. Yeah, it's just like everything like you're reading about this like one-sided love story. You're just like, this feels so really gross. problematic these days. Yeah, because furthermore, throughout the years, he creepily keeps tabs on her. Yeah. And we also learn how this mess came to be, which is, again, it amounted to him neglecting the town that was seemingly his responsibility by staying inside with his nose in books. And I have no idea what that's like. No clue. I don't have a sink full of dishes as I was reading, trying to read through as much as I could of a 500 page comic when, when I got it's home. It's called Living today. the Dream, Jessica. I'm an adult and I get to make choices about how I spend my time. Also, no one's invited over. <laughs> <laughs> we don't host here <laughs> oh and so once this guy is like late 70s and finally pulls himself from his literature he finds that his town is the next stop on the struggle bus on the brink of collapse <laughs> so he makes a deal which of course was to his detriment it's with a group called the six-fingered hand Christians is tricked and he finds himself trapped and then in the body of a gargoyle without the ability to die. Oh no. Oh no. So, you know, he's got all this kind of backstory, which by the way, exposition, the exposition was fierce. It yeah. was like, it felt, it was, it was aggressive in its exposition. <sighs> mm, I have thoughts again. Like all of this <laughs> stuff is stuff that we're going to talk about. <laughs> That's okay. Just making a point. Mm. <laughs> we could draw upon that later. <laughs> I'm making a lot of faces right now on the video feed. You sure are. It's really too bad that Mike will never let this be a visual medium. Sorry, folks. 
Maybe if you asked really nicely if we ever got a Patreon. <laughs> Mike's glaring at me so hard. Maybe. I don't know. We need we need to get my office space set up so it's not just my bedroom. I love that quilt though. I feel like I need neon signs in the background too. <laughs> yes, you do. I also am not prepared for something of that nature, as you can see. I was going to say. <laughs> as I point to my my mismatched comforters that are surrounding my person at this point. <laughs> We're living the dream. <laughs> living the dream. Living the dream. Oh, let's see. Oh, good Lord. This was so boring. Hold on. Hold on. He made a deal. He's trapped without the ability to die. Okay, boom. Okay, so we're out of the exposition of the past at this point because a fire suddenly erupts in the church in real life. And he breaks through a stained glass window because, of course, he does. And is followed by a female, specifically female, group of specters. So not only is he grieving and having a personal crisis, he's also being harassed by ghosts. One of whom looks like Elaine. And he is fighting for his life against the mob of ghosts. That was actually pretty funny. Um, When a figure comes out of the shadows and plot twist, the gargoyle is staring into his own human eyes. The figure says he will explain, but he has someone to show him. And it's a young Elaine in the flesh. (laughs) The plot twists were just Shyamalan-esque. Like, they don't make sense. Like, they don't make any sense. Like, <laughs> I I was so confused when I got to the end of this this one issue because I was like, wait, wait, isn't that the guy? But wait, why is the guy here? The guy is a gargoyle, right? And then I had to like flip to the very beginning and do like a comparison, and then I understood. And I was just like, this is weird. Yeah, it. I was very confused too because, like, I didn't really grasp it either. I had to go back. Yeah, which, I mean, like, so did you read the physical issues? I read well, yeah, because I bought them in. Um, I okay. I bought them as dollar bins. Yeah, so I, I yeah. that whole series cost me four bucks. So I guess I don't give a fuck. I had the physical issues years ago. Like, I found it at like a local comic shop. It was a bundle, and I was so bored reading through the first issue that I realized I gave up on it halfway through. Like I didn't even make it more than like halfway at most. And the thing is, is like I read it this time on Marvel Unlimited because for some reason this fucking thing's on Marvel Unlimited. Not like <laughs> not a bunch of other better stuff, but you know. what <laughs> this good Lord. Like, Who is Christar's not on Marvel decisions? Unlimited. And I think Christar is much more interesting than this. It's problematic, but it's much more interesting. I was going to say it's much more interesting, but yeah, no, for sure. Oh, weird. But like, yeah, no, I, <laughs> I just, yeah, man, like I, I had to sit there and flip all the way back to the first couple of pages too. I'm like, oh, is that supposed to be him? Like, cause it's not really well explained at the end of the first issue. No, no, he just says, it's me, Isaac Christians. I was like, no, that's Isaac Christians. What are you talking about? What? Oh! (laughs) Side note, I had a first date with someone who was talking about how much she loved M. Night Shyamalan movies. There are many other signs that it was not going to work out, but that was one that really stood out to me where I'm like, this this feels like we would not get along because I make a point of making fun of his movies a lot. (laughs) I Shyamalan'd myself in a dream one time. 
And I'm going to have to do a TikTok about it now because it deserves a fuller story. <laughs> Everyone go follow <laughs> Jessica on TikTok. Me. Yes. Jessica with a K. Jessica with a... Jessica spelled with a K. <laughs> yep. All right. Back to issue two. Oh, God. I hate this. I hate everything about it. So issue two was published in May 1985 just one year before I was born, and was subtitled Burning Bright, The Gargoyle's Tale. As you can probably guess, we find out the backstory, this issue, to how Christians came to inhabit the gargoyle's body. The reader is advised that the gargoyle has been enjoying the pleasures of the flesh, as it were, and the phantoms that were attacking him last issue were actually made just for, you know, which, ugh. <laughs> Just, we will get into that also. He describes them as semi-human harlots, and I'm just like, oh, oh, that's yep. not a good description. That sounds problematic. I screenshotted that because I was like, I want to talk about this. Yeah, there were some problematic art choices for sure. One of the pictures definitely had his hand on a butt. Yep. So we also find out that he himself was not great about expressing his feelings. So after his friend married the woman he fancied, Homeboy ran off to France to get away. And instead of actually doing work on himself, found a woman who looked almost exactly like Elaine, who was a sex worker. And because he doesn't have healthy boundaries or communication skills, and because heaven forbid we have some emotional maturity... He spends all of his money, and then some, paying for her company as a surrogate for Elaine. We get the backstory for the Gargoyles creation, where basically the vibes of the old gods were trapped in statues once Christianity came around. Cue actual picture of Christ on the cross. Close up now, folks. Yep. But were later let loose by a wizard, telling them to go get revenge, but... Apparently, this wizard had no idea what he was doing because these gargoyles started causing legit destruction, murderizing everyone. And there were some really gross implications that there were other unspeakable acts happening. There, There is like one of the poses it's that they graphic. have. graphic. Yeah, it's like it is and it isn't because it's like the comics code. But like of there's course. one where it's very, like one of the, the gargoyles or the demons, whatever they are, they're like it's grabbing a woman. And it is yes. very heavily implied that there's some non-consensual stuff going on there. And you're like, yes, Ooh. yeah, that's exactly it. And I was like looking at it for the longest time, hoping that I wasn't seeing what I was seeing. I was like, can I interpret this in any other way? And I'm like, I really fucking can't. Because there was a second one that it, that was ha doing the exact almost same thing. Like there were two of them. And I was like, wow. So not only did you do it once, but you did it twice. That's that's wild. Okay. Nope. So, yeah, so me as a woman seeing that, that was super cool. So the wizard traps them again, but couldn't get all of them because their will was just too strong, apparently. So some of them were still wreaking havoc. Main gargoyle sticks around in society being a nuisance until he gets trapped again by the six-fingered hand. And then when Christians also got captured by the group, the gargoyle took the opportunity to switch places, and then that caused them both to escape the trap, but very much Freaky Friday. So Christians tries to run off, but is taken down by more gargoyles. That's the <laughs> plot twist here. There's always a fucking plot twist towards the end. And 
He's told by the body snatcher that they can switch back, but he just needs consent to do so. And Elaine says that she can stay, but only if they do the switcheroo. Oh, no. So Christians knows this is a terrible idea. He even really marginally knows that he's being manipulated. But the man can only think about how he wants to get his dick wet, so he agrees. And once they're switched, of course, another plot twist. She's not Elaine. She's the other woman from France who happens to have a rhyming name, Germaine. Okay, so and that's the thing is it's like it's such it's such a weird tone shift because yes. she's sitting there and she's like, oh, I can stay with you and don't you want to be with me and blah, blah, blah. And then afterwards. She's like, you're an idiot. You need to fix this. And I'm she like hits going, him in the face. She like literally yeah. punches him. <laughs> and I was just like, what is it? There's also like in the flashbacks, like it shows him like literally kissing her feet. It is implied that there is like some sort of like dominance oh, relationship there. It sounds like there might be some financial yeah. domination going on with her and him. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I would think so, because he does talk about how he literally like went through all of his money and then he was yeah. like asking for loans and then he's like, you know, I don't yeah. know. He was doing all kinds of crazy shit for money. So that's that's the end of, of the second issue. And we're halfway through, kids. So <laughs> issue three. I And here's the thing, guys. I boiled it down as far as I could to get the plot across. Because if I didn't tell you any one of these facts, like literally none of the next part would make sense because this comic is just wild. (laughs) It is so dense and so weirdly non-linear and nonsensical. I found myself getting really frustrated (laughs) like while I was reading this. I was confused when I was trying to read it and then I was like... Well, I, I have to write a freaking synopsis of this. I almost sometimes, sometimes Mike and I will do this thing where we will ask each other to like, <laughs> to recap the comic that we're reading. And I was like, I'm not doing that to Mike. Like, I was really worried you were going to ask me to do that. And I was prepared no, to, but I did not want no, to. No, no. I was like, what am I going to say? This is his entire backstory. <laughs> I'll have no content. <laughs> Oh, issue three was published in June 1985 and is subtitled Lost Souls, the Druid's Tale. We pick up right fucking where we left off with the gargoyles joining up with their leader who just got his hard bod back and with Christians unable to do any of the cool gargoyly shit that he had been able to do before because, duh, he's just an old man again. And Jermaine is mocking him something fierce, and he's having another breakdown in the church when Mr. Wizard himself comes along, heals the cut on his face he'd somehow sustained in the gargoyle mania, and the wizard who introduces himself as Derwidden. Derwidden? Is that? It's awful. It's a terrible name. I'm saying Derwidden because that's what I honestly. It said nothing in my brain when I first saw it. I just looked at it and went, that's a name and kept moving. But my <laughs> nothing, no, no voices were saying anything for that name. They were like, yeah, you're on your own for this one. <laughs> so Derwidden squares up to ask Jermaine some questions. Meanwhile, 
the gargoyles are having an amazing time tearing shit up. And then we go back to more exposition about the druids. Lots of info about how magic worked in that part of the world back way when, and his own backstory and trials. He drowned at one point, was found and saved by sea sprites who put him to sleep for a long ass time before he awoke on a beach to find a totally different world than the one he'd seemingly just been in. We then get even more backstory about Christians' personal journey because he had to go on his own eat, pray, love journey to the east, gestures vaguely. He studies and whatever for a long time, but is called home because, again, he's been super neglectful to this town, which is apparently needing to be cared for as you would a child. But okay. So Derwin is like, bro, we got to stop these guys. And Christian's like, how, bro? I'm almost 80 and I'm just a dude. And I'm freaking out right now. But DeWitten gives him a motivational speech and apparently rolled really high in persuasion because Christians is amped by the end of the speech. Yeah, that's exactly how I summarized <laughs> it in my head. It's so... Anyway. I was like, it wasn't even that good of a speech, but okay, go with it. Like, no. I don't know. <laughs> and Jermaine's still just kicking around in the background doing literally absolutely nothing. The last couple scenes are the gargoyles calling even more gargoyles and the other group leaving to find them and square off. That's it. That's all that happens yeah. in that, that one. So don't worry, because we're at the end and this is the shortest paragraph yet. <laughs> that tells you anything. So issue four was released in July 1985 and is subtitled Battlefield. There is an exclamation point, which is why I had to say it that way. The last issue really is just a battle back and forth. The gargoyles look like they're overtaking Derwooden at one point, then he blasts them off, but he also runs out of power, and Christians is just being a coward, and Derwooden, Derwooden looks like he's going to die, but he's saved by the power of Christ? I was real, I, I still don't quite understand that, but that was my, that was my take. Like, there's a lot of, like, Christian... Yeah, we already like, talked about the whole ass Jesus on the cross that we saw in issue one, which which was an interesting thing, and I'll talk about that on one of the one of my notes. But like, I guess two. But yeah, it's just it's like yeah. I don't know it. It was just one of those things where I'm like, I don't know. Okay, whatever. I'm like, I'm not sticking around to like really examine this in depth because I don't care enough about this comic. No, yeah, you can fine shoehorn yeah. in white Jesus. That's fine, like whatever you're gonna do. But like, oh yeah, yeah. no, and it's very when we do see Christ on the cross, it's very much white Jesus. Like, oh, it's white very, Jesus, well. of course it is. Oh yeah. So, and then you know, Derwidden and Christians join forces, and they send the gargoyles back to in animacy, except for main Brogoyle, who ends up. In a hand-to-hand -hand fight with Christians, who somehow <laughs> sacrifices himself and switches back with the gargoyle. It's extremely vague. Question they basically mark. like crash together, and then all yeah. of a sudden, there's like a flash of light. It doesn't. It really does not make sense. Think the cloud that Tom and Jerry make when they're fighting in a cartoon, and that's yeah. how it felt. And then they were switched again. Then Elaine really shows up, and like says she loves him or what the fuck ever and then disappears so he gets his fucking closure the fucker did not deserve any kind of closure with that no and 
he walks off into the sunset with his own dead body, which is actually pretty fucking metal. I did like that scene. But yeah, like, and the thing is that, like, after they switch bodies, he basically, I think he, he slashed the throat of, yeah, of gargoyle spirit in his body. So, and he's like, you're just an old man. Blah. So you see the gargoyle spirit, like, float out of his dead body. And I think that was kind of cool. But, you know. Yeah, but it was still like, what? Okay, fine. So that's, that's it, folks. That's it. That's yeah. that's where we leave our our gargoyle friend. Apparently, just going back to hang out with the defenders. Mm, no closure on Jermaine, by the way. BT Dubs. Yeah, she, was she like just kind of vanished, just... and then and then like I wasn't sure if Elaine took over her body or or what. It was not explained. She well. was just made out of mud, so I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 So... She was supposed to be a clay golem. Yeah, so yeah. I don't yeah. know that, you know, she probably just turned back into clay. Yeah, probably. But again, why bother? Why bother to resolve that? She's just a woman. <laughs> so. Well, um, so Mike, let's let's fucking discuss this thing. Uh, what what did you like about it? <laughs> <laughs> Not much. Um Right. <laughs> This is not the worst thing that I have ever read, but I cannot remember disliking a comic this much in recent memory. This was not a good series. And again, I don't like to sit there and trash art that people worked hard on and put out and like, you know, that they, like they, they did it. They were published like this was a thing that was made. And, and so I don't want to take that away from them. But I really did not enjoy this comic. Things I liked. I liked the bit about the mythology showing how magic and gods weren't like static in the Marvel universe. There's, there's the bit talking about how Christianity and monotheistic religions are just basically the latest pantheons to hold power. And they kind of forced out the old gods, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, that was, um, a, I, they could have gone different directions with it, but I did think that was interesting too. Yeah. I will say I really liked all the covers for every one of the issues. They are mm-hmm. beautiful works of art that promised us something far more dynamic and exciting and interesting than we got i kind of like the general theme i think it's an interesting one it's it's got whiffs of like the immortal hulk series that came out recently in terms of our human and monstrous sides i think the concept had some really interesting potential it clearly did not deliver something that i wanted but i think the groundwork was there to play out really nicely if they had gone in a different direction but that kind of that leads me into the things I didn't like. I really did not like the incel vibes, especially in issue two, where Christians is remembering his relationship with Germaine in France. And when she leaves him, his very strong sense of entitlement and codependency and everything, it just it really mm-hmm. was uncomfortable to read. The constant flashbacks drove me bonkers. Like, yes, everyone gets a flashback. Like, Jermaine mm-hmm. gets a flashback. The gargoyle gets a flashback. The demon inhabiting Isaac Christian's body gets a flashback. Fucking whiplash. Yeah, exactly. Derwidden gets a substantial flashback. And they take up a lot of space in each of these books. And it's always like, well, let me tell you how this happened. Remember how, like, in our episode for Machine Teen, where I was talking about how it's all telling, it's not showing. And, and like, yeah. every time they're like, well, let me tell you, let me give you this this crucial backstory. I'm like, I don't know. Stop it. I don't care. 
Like, I skimmed a lot of that shit, especially the druid shit. I was like, I can just tell that I don't need to know any of this. I can just tell. Yeah. The other problem is that none of these are characters that we care about. Right. They're all plot devices, like to further the mm-hmm. story. Like even even the gargoyle, even even Christians himself, they're all very flat, like two dimensional characters. And then we're we're basically told we need to understand their backstory, and it's like, but we don't care about them as characters. Like, who the fuck is Durwidden when he shows up? I don't know. He's a Merlin stand-in. And then he, like, let me tell you my backstory. And I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) You've already told us you make poor choices. Like, why are we listening to you? Yeah, exactly. And then the gargoyle is just such a whiny motherfucker. And, like, he whines so much internally. And I was just over it. I think that's why I gave up when I actually bought the issues X number of years ago. But he just, he never stops whining and moping, and it got on my nerves real quick. And then it's really dull. The miniseries just has this very dull tone, both in terms of art and, and like narration. It all feels very passive. Even the bits where we do get action, which, first of all, they're very few and far between. They're drawn in this way that just doesn't feel very dramatic or exciting. <laughs> Even the bits towards the end of the series where the gargoyles are like terrorizing the town. It's constantly the same sort of shot with the same angles, and there's very little detail. It felt very rushed and and not finished in a lot of ways. Yeah. I was reading it in Marvel Unlimited where they had remastered the colors and like everything, so there's a lot of contrast and you can look at it up close. If I had been reading this on the actual physical issues, which they were printed on cheap, pulpy newsprint at the time, Mm -hmm. like comics from that era... The colors don't hold up unless they were printed on a really nice glossy paper. And I remember sitting there and being like, God, like, I can't tell what's going on because it's really dark mm-hmm. and everything's like really blown out. And I can yeah. only imagine that it kept on going that way. That's yeah. And my my copies of my issues are in stellar condition. They're yeah. in amazing condition. And the colors on that thing, I, yeah, goddamn, you can tell it aged. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And the final thing that I really wasn't wild about was actually the general vibe of this character. Like, I didn't know that he came from Prince Valiant, mm. but it really kind of struck me as a knockoff of Etrigan the Demon from DC Comics. Mm. Yeah. Where, again, there's that duality of humanity and the demon nature sharing the same body, sort of, because that's the whole thing with Etrigan is he shares the body of Jason Blood where they have to switch off. But yeah, there was a lot that I didn't like about this comic and not much I liked. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, okay, so I I did like the design of the gargoyles in some of the instances, and especially the one wearing a sweatband on his head. It was very <laughs> 80s of him. Yeah. And I think they could have done so much more with this than they did. Had they chosen to go in different directions with it, it was really heavy on the Jesus Saves vibes for my taste. It was very heavy on it. You know, it reminded me of those. um, It reminded me a little bit of those Thomas Nelson comics from the 90s that we talked about in episode number eight, where we were talking about the second life of Marvel's Christian comics. Way back in episode eight. I know. Yeah, like, I don't know. It was, it's very strange. Like, everything about this series, like, it's. It's that strange dark fantasy occultism, but then also mm-hmm. there's some very, it almost feels heavy handed with its vibes for like pro Christianity, yeah. supernatural elements. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So let's let's roll into my dislikes. Let's start off with the fact that this shit was super boring. <laughs> and like you said, there was way too much exposition. I just remember really, like you you and I did not talk much about this ahead of time, but you were like, it's so boring. No. I'm like, oh, thank God. I thought that I was the only one who thought this. <laughs> I still hadn't read it as of yesterday. And I was like, I need to do the research before I read this because I very truly, I cannot get through this right now. You were very gung-ho about this originally where you're like, it's the gargoyle. And I it's was. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I think I remember. And I was like, oh, oh okay. Because it looks so anything. damn cool on the cover. That's why I picked it up. I know. I like God. What a fucking letdown. Good lord. This is like somebody told me they were going to give me a puppy at Christmas, right? And then they hand me a stuffed animal. That's that's what this feels like. Yeah. That's how this feels. But the puppy also has like an like a like a needle in it. No. It's not even like a like a, a brand name pound puppy. It's like no. It's like the knockoff that your aunt sewed together. Well, yeah, and she accidentally left a pin in it. Yeah. And it like cuts you. Yeah. So, <laughs> on Christmas. Um yeah. so <laughs> what we're saying is that this comic did not deliver what we were promised on the covers. Did not. In case we were being too subtle for you. I fell asleep reading it. Yeah. Legit. I fell asleep three times. I tried. I fell asleep three different times trying to read it. This was the first issue, like you said. I also really just dislike Christians as a character. Yeah. He's insufferable. And he's selfish legit the entire series until he sacrifices himself, quote unquote. And that's somehow supposed to just what? What? Wash away his prior sins? Okay, obvious Jesus analogy. She's yeah. slapped me in the face with it another time. And finally, my biggest point of outrage, which is that women were absolutely props. They outright said so. Oh, yeah. Like, again, literally conjuring women from beyond the grave to fuck. It was so gross. And they definitely didn't have a say in any of that situation, either Mm -hmm. coming back or any of that. And I hated that Christians continued to narrate to Elaine throughout his entire ordeal. Like, in his head, that's who he was talking to the whole time. And it's just like, God, just have an internal monologue like the rest of us. Jesus Christ. And I was even more pissed off when she suddenly had feelings for him after dying. It was so gross. It made no sense. It made no sense. And, 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 my, my voice is just going a higher and higher pitch. The fact that Jermaine was so in the background for so much of it, and really only acting as the quote-unquote emotional woman who is letting her emotions get the better of her, when she lashes out a couple of times. And I would say, I would like to make the statement right now that overall, it just feels like nobody on staff had ever met a woman before. <laughs> Everything about the attitude towards Elaine and Jermaine, it felt like I was listening to some kid who was maybe 18 telling me about the great loves of his life. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, okay. It's like, it goes beyond this guy having a type. But did their damn names have to rhyme? Come on. Well, and the other thing is he was like, he, he found Jermaine in like France and he thought that she was Elaine, but she had slight differences in appearance. And I'm like, okay, whatever. 
The only difference was like her hair color and that she was more confident. And yeah. the, and and what was wild about that is that the confidence correlated to, oh, well, it's because she's a sex worker. Yeah. You're only confident if you're a hoe. Which I very much respect sex work and it it's a it's a real profession. It's a real sex fucking job. Work. It is fucking work. And it really bothers me when sex workers are portrayed in ways like this because she did she was portrayed to look like a manipulative individual. She was portrayed yeah. to look money grubbing. Here's the deal, fuckers. If that's her job, yeah, she's trying to get your money. Just like my job's under no delusion that I'm there to get money from them. That's how that works. That's how jobs work. As I kick over my soapbox. <sighs> well, outside of comics, Isaac Christian's The Gargoyle has made no appearances that I can dig up. Which, fine. R.I.P. I don't have a problem with any of this. Nor do I. Yuri Topolov, however, Gargoyle numero uno, appeared in the Hulk segment of the Marvel Superheroes television show, but he was called Gorgon, and he also appeared in name and form as a recurring comic relief character in the 1996 Incredible Hulk series, voiced by Mark Hamill, which is an interesting factoid. I mean, yeah, that's not surprising. No. Marvel at that point in time was doing a lot of animated series, and I don't remember much of the Hulk series, but I don't remember it being very good. And I have to say that Mark Hamill has to like voice act while he's sleeping as well as while he's awake because he is <laughs> so many different characters. I don't know how he has time for all of them. Yeah. The other funny thing, though, is that this was right around the time that he was actually coming into prominence as a voice actor because it was not long after he had started doing the Joker for right. Batman the Animated Series. Which, by the way, Mark Hamill, hit us up. Seriously. <laughs> we would love to have you on and talk about whatever you want. You don't have to talk about the Joker. We can just we can Anything talk about your you favorite want. comic books. He He's like a really avid comic collector, if I remember right, too. Oh, that would be like, fun. Please yeah. call us. Email us. He seems lovely. We don't have our numbers online. <laughs> if you call us, I'll be a little weirded out because I'll wonder how you got my number. But <laughs> so Topolov also appears in the video game Lego Marvel's Avengers, which features over 200 Marvel characters. So, yeah, so of... that makes sense. Yeah. Any final thoughts on this limited series, Mike? I didn't like it. No. The only other thing is that, like, you can tell that Demetrius really had a story that he wanted to tell, but I think he was also limited in terms of either budget or or time for the number of issues that he could put out for this character. It feels like a very earnest story, like kind of reading between the lines. And I don't know, man. It doesn't mean it's good, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel bad. I feel like he. He had a better story that he wanted to tell, maybe, and I feel like readers deserved a better story. So that's that's where I am on it. Yeah, I'm I'm very much in the same boat. I won't tack on too much more than that. I've kind of peppered in my own vibes throughout. <laughs> well, what do you say that we roll on through to our brain wrinkles? Yeah, let's bounce. 
And we have reached our brain wrinkles, which is that one thing comics or comics adjacent that has been rolling around in our noggins since the last time we chatted. Mike, why don't you start us off? I have been thinking about Twitter and Elon Musk. Oh. Yeah, we're, we're in the final week of when the acquisition is supposed to go through. And it's been this very turbulent affair. I don't know. Like, who knows if it's actually going to happen? Like, there's a possibility that it might blow up or it might go through on Friday. But based on the stories that have been coming out about what he's told investors, it sounds like he wants to make it actively a much more toxic place to be under the guise of his definition of free speech. And that just makes me really sad. There's also a lot of anxiety about the wider implications for like, democracy in general and easing the spread of misinformation and propaganda and Mm -hmm. general data security since he's apparently planning to lay off like three-fourths of the company Mm -hmm. you know twitter's gone from a a pretty like a pretty hellish social media platform to over the last few years becoming one that feels relatively safe and you know curated and if all of this comes about, I feel like it's going to likely mean the return of like toxic fandoms and harassment and doxing. And I'm not sure how much of a presence we're going to have on there in the long term after that, because like I don't want to expose you or me or our families to harassment if that comes about. Like if we piss off the wrong group of fans, they could easily come after us. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just. It makes me really sad because we built up a lot of friendships on the platform and I'm not sure what we should do or where we should go if the acquisition goes through on Friday because there's not really an equivalent platform out there right now. Yeah. No, I hear you. And that's, yeah, that is the challenge. It's like having all of these things kind of taken away from us in a way by mm-hmm. um, people who have all the power. In this case, it's billionaires, yep. which is why... I fucking hate a billionaire story. I'm looking at you, Bruce Wayne. Don't call us. What about you? What uh like hopefully you've been thinking about something a little bit more uplifting. No, because it got me thinking about Damn women it. in comics again. I know, I know it's a whole problem. <laughs> but it's like anywhere I turn, it's like I can't f- like it's getting better. It's getting better. It's helpful that more, you know, a more diverse group of people are writing comics and and being listened to at this point in time. But we still have media that's really putting whiteness in the forefront and and like maleness in the forefront. And yeah, and it still feels really toxic a lot of the time. And it's really disappointing because I feel like in a lot of ways we're going backwards in some of the ways that we are interacting with fans especially so i don't know it's just something that i've been thinking about and i i don't know i'm i'm pretty cynical to begin with you know so this isn't much of a shock probably to anybody but it's it's also just really disappointing to have those those cynical viewpoints validated just looking out in media and then trying to talk myself out of being gaslit about it you know like (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that's that's a fun little mental gymnastics game we have to play but it is what it is i suppose yeah yep 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 yep. oh that's it so any hoodle yep sorry folks it's uh it's a lot of doom and gloom today yeah but that's because we read the gargoyle
(laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again for listening, folks. Uh, It's been an episode. Join us next week for another Dollar Bin Discovery. And until then, we'll see you in the stacks. Thanks for listening to Tencent Takes. Accessibility is important to us, so text transcriptions of each of our published episodes can be found on our website. This episode was hosted by Jessica Frazier and Mike Thompson. Written by Jessica Frazier and edited by Mike Thompson. Our intro theme was written and performed by Jared Emerson Johnson of Bay Area Sound. Our credits and transition music is Pursuit of Life by Evan McDonald and was purchased with a standard license from Premium Beat. Our banner graphics were designed by Sarah Frank, who's at lookmomdraws.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, ask us questions, or tell us about how we got something wrong, please head over to tencenttakes.com or shoot an email to tencenttakes at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter. The official podcast account is tencenttakes, all one word. Jessica is Jessica Witha, and Jessica is spelled with a K. And Mike is Van Sau, V-A-N-S-A-U. If you'd like to support us, be sure to download, rate, and review wherever you listen. Stay safe out there. And support your local comic shop.